This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is John Heistorfer, an Iowa farmer and president of the American Soybean Association. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, products and services designed to help a farmer's return on investment. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with John Heistorfer next. Commodity prices remain under pressure. That's why now, more than ever, farmers are focused on their return on investment. More and more, they depend on Syngenta products and services designed to increase their ROI. See the Syngenta seed innovations made for ROI. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. In the spring of 2018, Southeast Iowa's John Heisdorfer will plant his 47th crop. He operates a crop and livestock operation with his wife and son. John says he's been thinking about sustainability long before policymakers started using the word to describe farming practices. You take 25 farmers and, and ask them, you know, what's sustainability is, you're going to get 25 answers because everybody has a different idea of what it is. You know, mine is building terraces, uh, no-till as much as I can. I bought a couple farms and there, there was ditches in there because nobody ever took care of them. Okay, you get in, you shape them up, you know, put a couple terraces in them. You may grass it. But at least you're not losing that soil. That soil is your is your heart, blood, your passion of what you you know what you got. So, how do you feel when people attack your way of life and say that you're out to just make a buck and and you're not really caring for the environment? I tell them that you know what we ain't using any more fertilizer than we have to. We're not using any more chemicals than we have to. And same with my livestock. I'm not using any more drugs than I have to because it costs money. And and who would who would go out and do something that's going to, you know, cost you more dollars per acre just to do it? Do you feel the urgency, and people are talking about the population growth and the, the need for agriculture. Do, do you think about that on the farm or do you really think more about what it takes to survive your farm, or maybe both at the same time? Yeah, probably a little bit of both, yeah. People complain about crop insurance. Oh, it's just a giveaway to the farmers. You know what? If you have a you have a disaster of some kind, and you may get by the first year, yeah, you may have enough money back there. But the, if you have them two years in a row, if you don't have crop insurance, you're done. And if I'm done, my son's done, my grandchildren are done because that farm's gone. The stakes are a lot higher today. I sure think so, because all the equipment, all the inputs on that crop is, is oh, I can't, six times more than what I when I started farming. Soybean farmers this past year produced over four billion bushels of soybeans, probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, crops you've ever raised, despite some adverse growing conditions. How much of the crop stays home, and how much of it goes overseas? Which is an indirect question: is how important is trade? Sixty percent of soybeans that are grown here in the U.S. go for export, and of course, China is our number one customer. Fourteen billion dollars worth of soy and soy products China uh, had last year. One out of every three rows that we produce goes to China, so it's huge. They're our huge customer. That's why we get so nervous when you start talking about trade things and doing certain things you know the nafta's kind of got us held up here a little now and and we're talking now about the the steel and aluminum thing you know for for with china and uh, if we put a we put a tariff on incoming there they've already told us they're going to retaliate mm-hmm. so thinking about china that's actually an area where soybean farmers working together and the checkoff program that you have you literally went to china to help them understand how to use your product and my how that market has grown 
That is a huge market, yes. First time I went to China, I think, was in 2009 or 2010, you know, and I had no idea what to expect. I'd never been in a foreign country hardly before. At that time, I think they were they were trying to produce as many soybeans as they could. And then soon after that, they changed their minds and said, we're just going to buy soybeans and we're going to raise corn. It's great for us, but they also they get as many beans from South America as they do from us, actually more. Is China just a market, or you, or is it a relationship? Are there people there that you know that you have talked to that that are counting on you as a supplier? Yeah, I think it's a real relationship, and I think that's why we have the markets we do there, because a lot of it is uh, over the years we've done face to face. You know, they have this this feeling if they can talk to you personally and talk about families and things that that's that's they're going to be more dedicated. They're going to be more dedicated to buying from you. And so if we can increase that demand that way, perfect. So from your farm in Iowa, now you're affected by things that you can't control. This government has the, the 232 and the 301 inspections go on. How can those and potential retaliation from those change the outlook for your farm and other soybean farmers? Well, we have a pretty good supply right now of beans uh, uh, setting in setting here and uh you know we've we've had two years of, of, pr- of pretty good yields we've had uh, record crop or near record crop last two years south america has also had almost a record crop or or so and i think they've got they got a pretty good size one now again but it's amazing to me that with all those beans out there yet argentina has a little bit of a drought and the price goes up so that tells me that what seems like a large supply is not near as big as, as, as we think it is. But yet the administration is involved in these investigations, the 232 and the 301, and, and there is talk or encouraging the president to put some tariffs on this in the interest of national security. Makes sense for national security, but it also, if those tariffs go on, what does that do to your relationship with your customer? Well, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're going to be, uh, uh, not too happy about it. Um, I think the retaliation will come fast. It'll come fast and hard. You know, once they once we throw a tariff on their aluminum steel, we um, spent last July at our board meeting in in D.C. We went and seen uh, Secretary Ross, and uh, he told us this. You know that there was a good chance that um, they was going to have to do something with steel and aluminum, and and we tried to explain to him that what the consequences would be, and and. His thoughts were that, okay, if if we lose them some market, Brazil or Argentina will pick it up. Well, then we just all we do is supply the market that Argentina and Brazil was giving up supposedly. And I said, um, no, I don't think it's going to work that way. Brazil has a lot of acres up in production again, and they ain't going to they ain't going to give up what they got. Plus, they're going to take take the rest. So. Just as when Brazil and Argentina had weather trouble, we not only satisfied our customers but a portion of their own. This can be winner take all. It can be, yes. We're very fortunate. We have good soils. We seem to produce a, a good crop of soybeans every year. But Brazil is is getting new new varieties, and uh, they're catching us. Do you feel that China's already making some inroads or, or, or put one over the bow 
especially now as they're holding perhaps your soybeans to a higher foreign matter grade than they might be from Brazil and now this systems approach that's going to be employed between the two countries over the next year? This has been going on for for a while apparently. I was surprised that you know USDA uh, went over there and, and come, kind of come out with this rule all of a sudden because you know the government usually don't make rules that fast. That takes them a long time. You know they claim and uh, USDA claims that that China is Brazil is the same standard we are, but uh, but they're talking about you know weed seed and and then and then all of a sudden it's it's foreign material. Well. Foreign material can be, you know, uh, splits, hulls, something of beans. It's, it's it's bean. I mean, it came off of the bean. It's not it's not really foreign material. I can understand how some shipments could get things in it. You know, if you're you know some corn from clean out, you know, changing crops or something like that. And uh, there are several ways, but some of the weeds they're talking about they're talking about resistant cockleburr. I've talked to everybody I know, and they've never, from a lot of different states, never heard of resistant cockleburr. Cockleburr is one of the easiest things a killer is. Mm-hmm. So let's think out loud with regard to the administration. We have talks with China. We're having talks about the North American Free Trade Agreement. The president has said with NAFTA he wants a renegotiation, but he doesn't just want a deal. He wants a Trump deal. Do you feel that this administration really gets agriculture? and the need for agriculture to have market access. I think this administration uh, is a business businessman, uh, the president, and he takes a different look at things and he's going to throw out a bluff about every time and see what see what happens. The only thing is so far we haven't had too much results from that, but um, I don't know, it's it's difficult to say. China's your number one market for soybeans. One out of every three rows goes to that country. How important is Mexico as a part of NAFTA? Oh, Mexico is our number two place to go with soybeans. And actually, they, they're our number one uh, soy meal customer. So that, you know, a lot of soy meal, they're, they're our nearest customers, them in Canada. You know, NAFTA is, is a perfect setup for us. It's it's so so simple. The transportation, you know, won't be high. Um, they take a lot of lot of corn and soybeans. Already without a renegotiated agreement and already without the U.S. pulling out of the deal, Brazil selling ten times more corn to Mexico than they were a year ago. As a soybean farmer, knowing that your income depends on exports, how do you feel about the talks surrounding these renegotiation talks? We need more people in there. I know some of our, our chief negotiators have just kind of got on board. Um, we're trying to tell them, don't worry about it. It'll be okay. You know, we'll still supply you. But my understanding is that Mexico is in the process of building some new ports now and some other things. And to me, that seems kind of kind of obvious that uh, they're changing their thought about where they're going to get their supply from. Soybean industry divided really in three different groups. You have the American Soybean Association, which stands with the policy. Uh, you have the United Soybean Board, which administers and cares for the checkoff market promotion and education. And then you have the Soy Export Council. How critical are these three pieces of the membership and their particular areas of work? USEC is very valuable. That's our that's a combination of ASA and USB's international marketing arm. They don't sell soybeans, but they create a preference for US soybeans. I've served on the USEC board for several years. You know, we 
people on the ground, feet on the ground in, in 60, 70 countries, you know, trying to make a preference for U.S. soybeans. And we've seen some real value there in selling, uh, selling soybeans with a stamp on them that says sustainable soybeans has, has just blossomed here in the last year or so. So it's something that, that, uh, we can do that other countries, you know, can only dream of. Do you feel like that you'll have to change the way you raise soybeans to be able to gain market access to countries that you'd like to sell into or to maintain markets that you already have? I don't know that it's, it's that necessary, but uh, there'll be some countries you're going to have to. I mean, that's all there is to it. If this FM thing with China, if we, we're going to try our best. Uh, we, there's already some guidelines and things coming out from USDA. Um, you know, they've got to they be careful because, you know, they're trying to tell farmers kind of how to, how to do something that they've done for years. Um, but we, we respect that, and we're going to try to do, you know, if there's something in our operation now that we can change that will make the difference, that we can make sure we don't lose that, that soybean demand from China, uh, we're going to do it. But as hard as you work as soybean farmers and through ASA and through USEC, you still need the U.S. government and the administration to broker deals that open those doors for you. Well, market access, yeah, foreign market development and, and uh, mapping FMD, yeah. Both of those uh, we've asked, ASA is asking this year that uh, we double those. You know, that seems like a big ask in a year when they're saying, you know, there's no extra money, but... When you look at some of the other governments, we're spending a third of what they are to get in, get into foreign markets. So, you know, if, if we don't keep up, we're going to be behind. Farmer is asking Washington to invest more money in market development and market access, but the money that Uncle Sam chips in from taxpayers is joined with farmer dollars, yes. so it actually grows. Yes, yes. Yeah, the money we get from F... And we are the... ASA is the cooperator with with uh, FAS on on those dollars, and then and then the United Soybean Board would be the checkoff dollars that uh, are combined, and that's what's used. Yes, that's what's used across uh, uh, to run USEC and and run the programs that we do in these other countries. The president initially pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, but now he's talking about maybe reconsidering that if he can go back in and negotiate some things to his liking. How would you and other soybean farmers feel if the U.S. started to, to approach and to re-engage in the Trans-Pacific Partnership? I would love it because that was a that was really looked like it was going to be good for agriculture. And, uh, you know, ASA spent couple, three years on the Hill, you know, trying to convince, you know, from the start, trying to convince uh, uh, Congress to, you know, <clears throat> let's, get this, let's get this trade deal done, you know. And it kind of came up to the end there, and, and we thought we, we thought kind of we had it over the threshold. Some people said, ah, you'll, you, you know, Congress ain't going to approve that. But we thought we was very close. And uh, it, it didn't make any difference when the president pulled it out because um, uh, both candidates for president said that they they were going to get out of TPP but you know we'd sure love to get back in again uh if the president is serious about it wow that'd be great one of the open doors from that would be access for livestock or for meat exports which is indirect but as you suggest it's a benefit for soy well you know the one thing about it last year i think um um 
agriculture in general altogether was actually a surplus, a $2.6 billion surplus. We're one of the only, one of the only commodities, you know, agriculture that, that uh, is helping with the deficit. So I'm, you know, I think uh, I'm pretty proud of that. John, you have seen soybeans that you raise and soybeans from other farmers. You've seen other crops rejected by global customers for sanitary or phytosanitary or because there was a technology that they hadn't necessarily approved. Part of the Trans-Pacific Partnership would have paved the way for scientific acceptance. Well, we've, we've asked for what we call an LLP, low-level presence, uh, the only country I know right now has a low-level presence is Canada, and it's a 3%. They accept 3% if it's something different in the, in the load. And I kept saying, you know what, if we're going to renegotiate some, some trade deals, hey, let's put that in there so that we don't have to worry about if, if somebody cleans out a combine and, you know, a few bushel will get in. You know, as long as it's, we'd like to see 5%, but even 3% would be great to at least keep from rejecting loads for, you know, very small, minimal amounts. At least a platform that would allow you to trade without the hiccups of one particular sample now stopping commerce between a, a, to, a, to a very important market. That's absolutely right. So in the month of March, it looks like the House Agriculture Committee is going to start working on a farm bill with a view of moving pretty quickly and trying to finish at least that side of the legislature's policy. You've just finished a delegate session with the Soybean Association. Are there particular must-haves or certainly big wants that soybean farmers have in this, what could be an 18 farm bill? We've got to have crop insurance and the ARC PLC program. Those two things are what keeps farmers going. You know, it's food security. It's all about food security. If, if, uh, if we can't produce enough food for this country, which we always have, and some will say, well, yeah, we always have. Why, why worry about it? Well, we've got other people in this world to feed to. And we, we, as farmers, we feel like, you know, we want to do as much as we can for, for not only ourselves and for our country, but if we can feed other people, that'd be great. The president is not the only one who has suggested change for crop insurance, but his budget would put a means test on, would take away the harvest price option. It would push up the price of crop insurance for farmers by 14%. Is this the time to make amendments for the crop insurance program? No, we're, we're down on income. You, you know that over the last couple of years. Sounds like we could be down, you know, somewhere between 65 and 7% this year again. There's no place to go. We've got to have crop insurance. That's the only thing that's going to save some people. Otherwise, we're going to start losing farmers. Farmers have shared with us that technology has helped you be more productive, has helped you be more sustainable. There is a new technology, not a new chemistry, but a new technology and plant resistance that's allowed farmers to use dicamba. But there's been quite a bit of pushback on that. The Soybean Association has been in the middle of trying to to resolve the matter, understand the problem, and work for a solution. So the question is, how important to be patient in finding a solution without throwing away these new technologies? All these new technologies are, are very useful, and we need them so bad because going back to the foreign material things you know we got weeds in the south that they can't seem to control and dicamba really controlled them this year 
John Hostepper, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is open mic, and you get to finish with an open form. <laughs> well, you know what? I guess the what I'd like to say at the end is, uh, you know, myself, I've given 20-some years to the Soybean Association. Not like people think, we do not get paid. It's a volunteer organization, and I just, I think we have so many leadership programs, and and I've seen so many kids go through these leadership programs, and then in, in my 20 years, and, you know, five or maybe three years, five years, six years later, all of a sudden they show up and here they are doing something with soybeans. It may be corn, it may be sorghum, it may be something else. And I always tell them uh, at the leadership things, if I happen to be the one that's speaking, I say, I don't care if you go back and be a soybean person, but to go back to your community and be a good person and, and be a leader there. Our thanks to Iowa farmer and president of the American Soybean Association, John Heistorfer, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, products and services designed to help a farmer's return on investment. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Dowling.